You're listening to Bottom Shelf Bitcoin, episode 58. Good morning, everyone. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bottom Shelf Bitcoin, the podcast that puts Bitcoin knowledge within everyone's reach. As always, I'm your host, Josh Humphrey, and today with me is Corey Klipstein, founder and CEO of Swan Bitcoin. Corey, welcome. Hey Josh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, so kind of give us your like short elevator pitch of what Swan Bitcoin is, and then we can kind of go into your story and and maybe um, how you guys work and the details of that. Yeah, sure. So basically what we wanted to do is make the easiest way for most people to be able to accumulate a meaningful amount of value in the Bitcoin protocol, whatever that means to them. So it's, you know, basically make a decision on on how much you want to buy over a period of time and, and just set it once and forget it. And this was just kind of like based on an insight into, you know, Americans in particular being pretty terrible at saving and noting that, you know, essentially the only two buckets of value that that most people can sock away savings into are either a 401k where it's automatically deducted from a paycheck or uh, equity in a mortgage where, you know, you kind of have to make that payment to uh, keep your house. And so we just wanted to use the same sort of, you know, psychological trick on yourself that's good for you which is you know make the decision once and then just automate the entire thing so it's you know we don't think the problem is solved unless there's an automatic pull from the bank account an automatic purchase of bitcoin and then obviously you want to do the right thing for bitcoin and bitcoiners so we uh we offer uh, automatic withdrawal to self-custody as well um that's optional but we highly recommend it and we educate uh you know users around cold storage and hard wallets and things like that. Very cool. So what what first drew you to Bitcoin? Like what's your what's your background, I guess, before this and, and what made you stop and look at Bitcoin? Yeah, well, I wish I'd stopped and, uh, and looked closer. Uh, my first two opportunities when I, I had it right in front of me and just missed it and, and didn't get it. But, um, you know, I'd say broadly, you know, long career and mostly technology um, and strategy consulting, interestingly. So I started my career with Microsoft. I'm a West Coast guy. I grew up in SF in Seattle. Went to work for Microsoft in New York. Um, was in tech before business school. Went to University of Chicago for an MBA and, uh, you know, got introduced to some, some Austrians and some more kind of like libertarians in my class and things like that. So started kind of thinking about things. I read free to choose and some Milton Friedman and, you know, didn't, didn't get all the way there. didn't become a gold bug or anything, but it was at least kind of tracking those ideas and was interested in them. Um, it was also, uh, I think in the fall of my first year of business school that I was exposed to, uh, Nassim Taleb for the first time and bought fooled by randomness. And I've been kind of on the Taleb train for 18 years now, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's, uh, also kind of the genesis of the name of the company is, you know, Swan Bitcoin. I consider Bitcoin to be, uh, you know, the, the, the greatest positive black swan in, uh, in recent history. Um, and yeah, so then I got, I kind of got like the early stage tech bug, in probably 2009, 2010. And at the time I had just finished working on my own company doing private equity consulting and I was back at a management consulting firm. And I, I, I wanted to get into startups, but I, I was so far removed from having worked in online from like, you know, 98 through 2001. So I finagled a job at Google to kind of learn what the internet looked like at the time. So from 2011 to 2013, I was at Google, but uh, spending all my spare time networking with startups and VCs and, you know, reading VC blogs and learning how startup founders work and kind of just networking back into my old New York and SF networks from uh, from the dot-com bubble. And uh, by 2013, I was ready to move to California, uh, move to LA and, uh, and jump out of Google and started working in startups full time. So I've been doing that for the last seven years. Um, either uh, advising startups or investing in startups or occasionally jumping in and operating, um, you know, as a, as an executive or a co-founder or something like that. And 
so my first run-in with Bitcoin was at a tech conference in January of 2014 when somebody gave me some Bitcoin and I downloaded a blockchain wallet and proceeded to uh, lose the private key and uh, not read the white paper and uh, and completely not pay attention to it. Um, kind of have to forgive myself a little bit because I was in the middle of uh, you know operating a startup and it was you know fundraising time and all kinds of things going on, but definitely had an opportunity there and missed it. And then in uh, December of 15, uh, a friend of mine who had some uh, early angel stakes and advisor shares and some Bitcoin startups had bundled a few of them together into like a series LLC and asked for my help and kind of packaging that up and kind of making a deck. So I actually sat there and, <laughs> and made a couple slides each on two early Bitcoin startups and, uh, and it still didn't take. It wasn't really, I think I get a lot of my cues from kind of like my network and, and what filters through people that I already know and trust and respect. And it wasn't until the price run up of uh, spring of 17 that there was enough of a cacophony of noise around around Bitcoin and price and, uh, you know, definitely the ICO bubble and all that as well. Um, that kind of drew me in from the tech side of things, not the monetary side of things. Um, so I started getting involved, started buying some Bitcoin and, you know, May, June of 17, wrote it up, wrote it down. And, um, you know, it took me, it took me almost a year. It was probably March or April of 18 after sort of exploring everything like most tech people would. And, uh, at that point I realized that, um, you know, I, basically found myself being a, a pretty hardcore maximalist and not really seeing uh, much economic upside in the in the long term in anything else. And so then it was kind of, you know, from April of 18 until I guess it was April of 19 that I finally had the idea for the uh, the predecessor product of Swan, which is uh, Give Bitcoin, um, and started working on that full time. Cool. So you, I mean... It- Sounds like maybe like many of us, you you kind of played around with altcoins for a little bit before you really figured out uh, that Bitcoin was kind of the one. Yeah, thing. I mean, I yeah, yeah. So I I, I jumped in with two feet. I'm, uh, you know, it's uh, it's embarrassing when you look back at it in retrospect, but you don't know what you don't know and, until you know it. And um, so I started. I often do like you know consulting and advising. So I started consulting for. A post ICO project, um, one of the more innocuous ones, actually has really awesome technology called uh, BlockFi, which is mostly doing like NFTs, and you know they don't need a token, and I think that's pretty obvious at this point. But it wasn't obvious at the time to me, and probably, to be honest, not even obvious to the team. I think they thought that there was actually a potential use for it with NFTs. Um, didn't end up being the case, but um, started working with them, and then really just because of their milieu and who they were kind of around in the Los Angeles area. It was a lot of the EOS money and the EOS people. And uh, I ended up taking over as president and chief investment officer of DNA, which is one of the big crypto funds. Um, And that lasted, again, the timing of this was hilarious because I got involved there in like December of 2017, just in time for the crazy blow off. And, And I saw, you know, and I guess it's like, it's good actually because the seat that I was in, you know, we saw everything. I saw every single wannabe ICO, this, that, you know, Silicon Valley startups or, you know, straight up penny stock types from, you know, upstate New York pitching this ICO or that ICO. Like it, it was just a, a mad dash for cash. And I had a great seat to sort of very quickly evaluate all of that and get through the mess really quickly. So, you know, maybe some people, they're, they're Bitcoin horseshoe. You, know, you discover Bitcoin, you know, explore everything else and then come back to Bitcoin. Sometimes that takes people a couple of years or whatever. In my case, it was pretty short. And, uh, you know, so I'm sitting in this chair in March or April, totally a maximalist, but <laughs> sitting as CIO of a crypto fund. And uh, it took me a few months to find good homes for the people that I hired and, and sort of extricate myself from that situation. But I, uh, I left at the end of August of 18 and uh, basically just working uh full-time on on bitcoin only ever since then one thing that actually did start that summer was um i did start working on what at the time i was calling the bitcoin ecosystem fund and i was trying to do it under the dna brand but it just wasn't really a good fit and i didn't want to be there anymore um but that that early work which was you know being bandied about with folks like uh, dan held and steve lee who's not square crypto and a few others uh 
that actually is has come to fruition and, and we did in fact launch uh, Bitcoiner Ventures a couple of months ago. So that's me, uh, Jan Pritzker, who wrote Inventing Bitcoin and Stefan Lavera, the, uh, the host of the eponymous podcast, and also a guy named Louis Liu, who uh, had a similar story to me as a young guy who uh, became a maximalist uh, while working at Block Tower, which is a, a well-known crypto fund. So he left there and is working on Bitcoin ventures and doing uh, investments out of his own family office. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been great to do that. I wish I could announce the first deal that we're just in the process of closing right now, um, but uh, it's it's nice to have uh, kind of a focal point where we can do some networking and some you know finding the angels around the world that will raise their hands and actually want to invest in Bitcoin startups. Um, that's certainly one of the challenges in the space. Yeah. So, so talk to us about Give Bitcoin. Yeah, sure. So, that was basically just you know kind of solving my own problem. I wanted to have a way. Like, I wish when somebody had given me Bitcoin in January of 2014 that it had come with something a little bit more regimented, like uh, you know education or you know just something to kind of hook me a little bit. So, basically, what Give Bitcoin is it's a it's a three part product. You uh, give someone a little bit of Bitcoin, so now they can own it and watch the price or whatever, but they can't spend it. They can't trade it for Ripple. Uh, it's actually escrowed for one year. Um, so you give somebody some Bitcoin, it's escrowed for a year. And then over that year, uh, every month they get a new chapter in their email of the gift of Bitcoin, which is like uh, just a really well done education, like an introduction to Bitcoin, trying to get people to, to help them down the rabbit hole. Um, so that's a really popular sort of scaled evangelism product. We have people that have given, you know, like 50, 50 gifts. I just saw somebody on Twitter today gave nine Bitcoin gifts to his friends through Give Bitcoin and, and you know, said all nine of them have started buying Bitcoin after receiving that gift. So it was pretty cool to see. Um, and so, yeah, we launched that in November, um, but as early as July. So really, I've known that we wanted to do a basically like an automatic stacking product probably separately from give Bitcoin since last July and in December of, uh, of 2019 we finally made the the final decision to split it out and came up with the Swan branding and been working on that um, so we took about four months from uh, December till the end of March and we launched Swan on March 30th cool so um, all right so let's go let's go into Swan then um, Kind of what is my my understanding is Bitcoin only, no altcoins, um, auto buy from your bank account, and then like you said, uh, the option to automatically withdraw. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that's right. um, I mean we've we've kind of I guess um, talked about how you know your your travels from Bitcoin to everything to back to Bitcoin. Are there, um, as a business, are there practical reasons for being only Bitcoin? Because, you know, I, I often look at these businesses and I say, you know, the, what I call the big guys, you know, the Coinbase, the Kraken, the whatever. And, and you know, even though some of them may have people that I say like, having had conversations, I think these guys are legitimately for themselves only about Bitcoin, but there is a lot of money to be made in allowing people to, you know, trade and gamble on all this other stuff. So why, from a business standpoint, you know, what's, what's the benefit of being Bitcoin only? So it turns out there are a lot of advantages to being Bitcoin only. Um, so in, in purely sort of like Silicon Valley terms, if you have a very narrow uh, product range, in our case, just one, right? Um, you have uh, much lower engineering costs, much, much lower support costs. Um, you really don't have to be tweaking things all the time. You know, there's just like all these multipliers when you start to have a more complex range of offerings uh, that make a business need to be much larger, which means you have much more cost, right? So we can be kind of a, a lean team our whole model is kind of being like, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the early days of Instagram, but that was a 12-person team when they sold for a billion dollars to uh, to Facebook. So our goal has always been to be like never more than, you know, eight to 10 people working on Swan and make sure that every single process and everything we do 
uh, scales with code rather than with uh, human effort. Um, so we're kind of always building something that then runs on its own, and then we figure out something else that we need to build to support some other aspect of of the the business. Um, so that's kind of our mo. And luckily, I have an incredible uh, co-founder in Jan Pritzker, uh, who's a very uh, accomplished and successful uh, longtime engineering lead in Silicon Valley startups. This is his seventh startup. He's sold three. And his last one was Reverb.com, which sold last year for like 275 million. So he knows what he's doing. And, um, you know, essentially I can focus a lot on marketing, branding, team, you know, relationships and, and just kind of like making sure that that Swan gets its fair share out in the market. Um, another thing that's really great about being, you know, Bitcoin only is, you know, this is... I don't know if you were around, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago when CrossFit launched, but, uh, you know, people were incredibly passionate about that and would basically shill CrossFit to uh, everyone they'd come into contact with. Um, you know, probably not dissimilar from some of these Santa Monica moms shilling anti-vax propaganda or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, Bitcoin, I've never seen anything, you know, short of maybe, you know, the Christian Crusades a thousand years ago where people are just giving their entire lives over to Bitcoin and just want to see it succeed like this. Um, so if you can always do the right thing for Bitcoin and, and always strive to do the right thing for Bitcoiners and really just be honest with yourself and just infuse that within the entire team and just say like, just think about what would be best for Bitcoin and just do that. Um, it really removes a lot of the kind of decision overhead and, and hierarchy and processes and all these things that you would need if everyone just knows, you know, yeah, go ahead and tweet that if it's good for Bitcoin. We don't care. Like, <laughs> we'll make a mistake every now and again, but you don't need to get that approved. Just tweet it if it's good for Bitcoin or, you know, make that little product decision or that little tweak if it's good for Bitcoiners. That's totally fine. Um, so with everybody kind of aligned and we're all listening to the same podcasts and, you know, we made the decision you know, a few months back after experimenting with people outside of Bitcoin and trying to, you know, indoctrinate them because they had specific skills, we just decided to stop doing that and only hire Bitcoiners. So that's why you see a team that's, you know, it's like me and Jan, uh, Brady from Citizen Bitcoin runs education and marketing for us. Um, Guy Swan is doing all our like PR and media outreach efforts um, from Crypt Economy podcast. Uh, sorry, now uh, Bitcoin Audible. Um, Brandon Quidham, who's written these pieces on, you know, mycelium and mushrooms and Bitcoin, she's a great Bitcoiner, uh, is kind of running our like email marketing program. Anders Cargard, who's uh, uh, runs the Century City Bitcoin meetup and is one of the most agro maximalists on Twitter, uh, also has been running a Google search agency for the last 15 years. So he's doing all our search ads and stuff like that. Uh, Brecky Von Bitcoin is doing our creative direction and art and designs and things like that. And you know, even our front end uh, UX designer, Jorn over in Germany, you know, he's been in Bitcoin since 2011 or 2012 or something insane like that. So, um, you know, we kind of have this, this shared mission way above and beyond the company that just lets us all kind of be very mission driven. And then the North star is very clear and we didn't have to define it. It was defined for us. Like we just do what's right for Bitcoin. Awesome. So walk me through this process. I, I sign up for Swan Bitcoin and it does, um, I've heard you say, and I've heard others say, so it's ACH only. Why, why is that? So we think that the, in America in particular, where we don't have a culture of savings, um, you know, nobody actually piles up cash on the side for a big purchase very well. Uh, this is the land of the, you know, 0% down payment mortgage and nobody being able to save for retirement unless it's automatically taken from their paycheck, as we said. So, um, you know, asking somebody to accumulate cash and then wire it over, you're never going to end up doing that as often because it's, it's push um, and because you would have to accumulate the money beforehand. So, you know, almost like rich dad, poor dad, you know, pay yourself first. Um, this is very much in line with that. We're saying pay yourself first, pay yourself some Bitcoin first for your future, for your grandchildren, seventh generation thinking, low time preference. 
you know, just decide what that amount is. That's just going to be taken out of your bank account automatically every month and never for, never even think about it again. Just watch your stack grow. Um, and that seems to be really resonating with people. Um, you know, one of the things we, we see from engaging with our users and just kind of feeling it ourselves, like, you know, we're all, we're all stacking with Swan and, uh, you know, I'm just so much more relaxed, you know, not thinking about the price all the time and not sitting there in a dark room, neglecting my kids and my wife, you know, waiting for my limit order to hit because I want to save a few pennies or whatever. It just makes so much more sense. You know, you're going to capture the curve. You're going to get a buy done every week and soon we're going to be adding daily as well. So, you know, I think it just makes uh, way more sense to, to just get back to your life. We say, you know, hashtag swan and chill. <laughs> Cause you just said it and you can go on about your day and, and not have to worry about, uh, you know, being a little crack fiend in a dark room trying to smash by. Gotcha. So is there an option if, um, say something crazy happens over one day and, and I'm set up with Swan to, to auto buy every week. Is there, is there the ability to jump in and, and do a, you know, like, you know, buy a knife down or not really buy yeah, yeah. So we are adding that. Um, we are adding that. It's only available to people that are on a plan. So we will not be uh, a place where you can come and, uh, you know, just set up a, a one-time buy and, and not be on a stacking plan. But we are adding one-time buys for our customers. Cool. Um, all right. And then talk to me about um, the the withdrawal process. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, you basically you can enter as many addresses as you want, and I'm not sure how it works just yet because we just went live with it last week. Um, as far as cycling through those, um, our custodian, so it's always bought into a custodian, and this is how you know essentially we deal with regulatory, which I know you wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, so the Bitcoin is initially held for our users by a custodian. This is also important to us because we never actually touch your dollars nor your Bitcoin. We cannot actually touch either of them. We're actually just an interface where the users are sending instructions uh, to payment processor, uh, liquidity provider, and a custodian um, you know, through our interface to basically say what you want done with your cash and your Bitcoin. Um, so that's the reason that we don't need uh, MTLs in all the different states and we don't need a federal MSB or any of that. We're basically just a marketing company sitting on top of these other vendors and patching it together with APIs. Um, and so, yeah, basically, so the Bitcoin is sitting there, you've purchased it, and then you just set up your instructions to uh, either auto withdraw, um, auto withdraw all of your Bitcoin balance, or if you want, you can, uh, you can actually set it to do certain thresholds. Like you can say, I want to withdraw every time I get to 0.01 or 0.1 or you know, 0.05 or something like that. And there's, that's kind of nice because there's a little bit of, uh, this was a Matt O'Dell suggestion. He's one of our advisors. Um, this was uh, suggested that if you see a lot of uh, transactions coming from an address and hitting the chain at the same time in the same denomination, there's uh, a little bit of uh, additional privacy there if, uh, if the transactions are all the same size. Right. It starts to almost look like a coin join or, or something similar if you have the same, you know, that's like-sized exactly amounts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yep, exactly. It's like a it's like a faked coin join. Um, unfortunately, out of the gate, it's just uh, regular addresses. We uh, our our custodian does not yet support uh, Beck thirty two, but we are uh, pushing them hard on that all the time. This is Prime Trust, which is uh, really a pretty impressive business um, overall. They they uh, are the custodian for Binance US, Bittrex, Wobi, OKX, all the all the US customers for a lot of the big exchanges. So they do know what they're doing. They're also the custodian for over half of the crowdfunding in the US over the last few years, um, on kind of like the startup side of things. So, you know, really good business, definitely uh, solid execs and really good process. They have Fireblocks on the back end, which is kind of like the best, uh, you know, uh, what do they call that? MPC, multi-party compute, kind of like segmented cloud, um, keyless, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, stuff that Jimmy song understands. Um, but <laughs> you know, so really, really good security on the back end. feel very good about the other businesses that have chosen the same security setup as us. Um, we definitely did not want to be in the position of rolling our own security. Um, I don't think that was a good idea given our, our lean team and our focus on 
on marketing and education. Um, but yeah, so we we should be able to do XPub pretty soon. We're, uh, that's something that Prime Trust is planning to add. Um, so hopefully that will be available in the next couple of months. Um, we'll obviously be pretty noisy about it when we add it. But for now, the best we can offer is uh, is just being able to add, uh, I think, as many as many addresses as you want, so that you can cycle through them and, and withdraw to different addresses. Gotcha. So you you add individual addresses from whatever you want to whatever you know, hardware or or um, wallet you want to withdraw to, and and it cycles. Now, so so let me ask you this: Does it if I put in five addresses? And, you know, five weeks later, it's gone through each of those five addresses. What happens on the sixth week? Assuming I have it to withdraw each week, right? Yeah. And I'm not doing that threshold thing. You got to have Jan on for that. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I, you know, he is a security and a privacy freak and, uh, and definitely cares about this stuff. So he's basically sculpting it to, uh, to meet his exacting standards as best as we possibly can within our constraints. So Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm focused on, you know, building a, a meme army, army for the, uh, the great money wars of the 2020s and Jan is focused on the tech. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's good to know. Um, I may reach out to him then as well and, and we'll do like the, the follow-up on that, on that side of things. So, yeah, by the way, you're also welcome. You know, we have, we have a really active, uh, you know, community telegram with a few hundred people in there where people you know, toss over product suggestions and improvements and bugs. And you can ask questions of our team like all day, every day. And that's really how the product is getting built is just by our users and people who care uh, chiming in and saying like how things ought to be or how they wish things could be. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's such a cool thing in the Bitcoin space that that there's a number of companies that have similar kind of open access rooms, right? Where you can go in and I don't know, I don't know before, Bitcoin products, if there really was much in the way of that, um, maybe a few obscure things with with IRCs and things like that. But you know, w- when have you ever seen uh, like a? I guess it'd be too big, but like an uh, iPhone Telegram, right? Like Apple doesn't really care what you think. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it'll head that way because I think as companies that grow up like this get large, they'll just sort of. I mean, I could never shut that thing down. Right. You know, like we would just, we would just start to segment it into different topics and, you know, maybe it would splinter and, you know, so it would never be too noisy and it wouldn't be a general room. But, you know, over time, I I can't imagine not having that input and not having that connection um, with, with our customers and our fans. Like you absolutely have to have that. Yeah, that's good. So, um, Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about the regulations and stuff. You you mentioned that you guys don't have to have like the the money transmitter license and stuff. Walk me through that kind of one more time, and and then what what you guys do have to submit to, and what kind of um, KYC or or whatever that your customers have to submit. Yeah, so I mean, we as a company don't have to have those things, and basically we surf on the compliance of Prime Trust, and so. You know, if you're if you're a known business with addresses and, and humans with, who are findable, et cetera, like you're going to be doing KYC in the United States. That's just how it is. Um, you know, they do the absolute minimum required, um, but it's it's what you would expect. It's you know, upload a picture of your license, enter your name, address, verify your email address. You know, kind of the basics. Gotcha. And as as far as you're aware of. Um, you know, do they, I guess, do they implement things like um, chain analysis or anything of that nature? They do not. Okay. Yeah, they unequivocally uh, state that publicly that they do not. Very cool. Good to know. Um, and we would never, obviously. Well, I would hope not, but, you know, I, I you know, reading some things recently, there it, it seems to me that that chain analysis kind of stuff is this um, rent-seeking industry that that um, tries to convince exchanges, etc., that they're needed. And so, whether it's actually needed or not, it, it seems to be something that they're they're kind of implying that they are um, 
necessary, right? And so I didn't I didn't know on the on the business level like how far that really went. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, my my own personal opinion here is that it's a lot like um, it's a lot like it's a lot like the management consulting game. You know, I worked for McKinsey for a while, and a lot of companies and executives, and a lot of government agencies, and even you know state governments, like you've seen New York and New York City, both hire McKinsey around COVID. Basically, what they're doing is trying to cover their ass. They're trying to say like, "Hey, well, we we hired the smartest guys. We we paid for this. We did our diligence." You know, so if you really dig in and, you know, listen to Matt and Marty or listen to, you know, some of the other guys talking about Chainalysis, like, you know, they're not very effective. They're not very good at doing what they claim to do. But like you said, they're they're providing a way for exchanges to claim to regulatory authorities that they did their best. Right. They they chose some company that's somewhat well known for doing chain analytics and you know they they paid for the best that they could so you know you know hopefully we found some terrorists or whatever or some criminals but really it's not doing much it's a lot of uh like regulatory theater right hand waving and we did something so move along exactly please please don't audit us yeah it's like having insurance because you're required to have insurance but the insurance has so many loopholes that it would never actually cover anything for you right right Okay, so talk to me about. I, I noticed I haven't even had a chance to look at it yet, um, but I just I saw the um, Swan TV thing, and I know that you guys recently <laughs> uh, hired Brecky on. So, so what's the? I guess that's kind of along your the lines of your your education stuff. But but talk to me about the media side of things. Yeah, well, I think uh, education and community are kind of the pillars of what we we bundle around the selling of Bitcoin. Um, and so obviously we spend a lot of time with writing and we have Swan Signal Live, which is our weekly uh, show on Twitter that turns into a podcast. Um, and then, yeah, every once in a while we like to put out a fun video. So last month we did um, last month we did Bitcoin for America, which was uh, basically uh, the best known Obama impersonator from the last 12 years or so, uh, giving kind of like a, a speech about Bitcoin. So that was pretty cool. Got 10,000, 11,000 views on that. And yeah, just in the first few days since releasing our uh, Bitcoiners in Quarantine music video, uh, Good Emittance instead of Good Riddance. Uh, it's a remake of the Green Day song. Lyrics by Alice Lacrosse and uh, and singing by by Brecky. And uh, yeah, we just got uh, you know Bitcoiners from all over the world to send in clips of themselves and their families and their teams and just you know doing whatever they're doing uh, during this uh COVID shut down and just patched all together into a music video for uh, Swan Television with a MTV looking logo at the beginning of it. So you can find that on uh, the Swan Bitcoin Twitter. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Um, you made a, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. I just, you know, got all these different ideas popping off. But um, sure. you you mentioned a couple of times earlier that uh you made comparisons or you, you mentioned Americans not being very good at savings. Um, are you making that as like a comparison to other things that you have experience with or, or that you've seen like other countries or other cultures that are better at that or, or that that's part of what they do? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's in the stats. I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of countries and a lot of cultures that have much higher savings rates and these are in, you know, macro and economic fact books and things like that. So you go to places like, you know, India and Turkey and Switzerland and the savings rates are much, much higher as a percentage of GDP. Um, we don't save at all here in the U.S. Why do you think that is? Uh, media, consumption culture, keep up with the Kardashians or the Joneses or whoever your local neighbor is, that kind of stuff. And just, uh, you know, the, the bankers setting up cheap credit to essentially put everybody into indentured servitude forever. And, you know, the solution to every crisis is uh, go shopping, as we've seen from uh, every one of our leaders over the last 20 years, especially. Yeah. Do you think, have you guys seen an uptick? Well, I guess you kind of launched around the same time that that the Trump bunk stimulus came out, but um, do you feel like that was helpful? Uh, let me let me rephrase. Do you think do you feel like a lot of the Trump bucks went into Bitcoin? 
Well, we know just anecdotally, you can watch that some of it did. I mean, <laughs> the fact that people could actually take their stimulus check right into Cash App uh, was pretty hilarious because um, a lot of them just took that 1200 bucks and just put it straight into Bitcoin. And it's uh, up 50% for most of them since then, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it really affects us that much because our numbers are still pretty small. You know, we, we literally just started March, March 30th. Um, now it's been an incredible ride. Like we're, we're five weeks in now and, uh, you know, I had a, had a plan and some modeling and so far we're eight X ahead of our plan. Um, so this appears to have struck a chord with people and we have a lot more signups than we thought we would. And the amount that people are buying on auto stacking, you know, automatic recurring purchase plans is about four X more than we were anticipating. Wow. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that we that that the community has wanted, and unfortunately, until recently, my, as far as I'm aware, Coinbase was the only one offering that for a long time. And and to be honest, it was it was something that back in the day, you know, before Coinbase really, um, what am I trying to say? You know, alienated a lot of of hardcore Bitcoiners. It, you know, it was something that I, I used because it was mm-hmm. nice. You're right. Like it is nice to just not have to think about it, not have to worry about the FOMO and and figure all of that out. And so yeah. um, and then just recently you guys and then finally, ca- you know, and we've been pestering Cash App since they started doing Bitcoin. And since they had they had automatic deposits from your bank into your Cash App account. And it's like, well, then why can't you do automatic Bitcoin? So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is like their fees have just always been egregious and like, again, regressive against uh, the small fish. Like it's just not it's not nice to charge people that much. You know, they, they're your lowest, smallest retail buys for a recurring purchase on Coinbase. They're charging you nine point nine percent. That just seems cruel, um, you know, so we're you know, anywhere from 60 to 75% cheaper than Coinbase at every level. Wow. Yeah. So you, so, so what are the different tiers? Uh, so we basically just have three tiers and, uh, and you can either do fees pay as you go, or you can uh, prepay fees annually and you get a little savings if you do prepaid fees annually. So as long as you're doing 50 bucks a week or I think it's 200 bucks a month or more is the, is the cutoff you're doing 1.19% for uh, pay as you go fees and uh, 0.99% uh, prepaid annually. So, you know, that's, that's not a lot of money, 200 bucks a month and uh, incredibly low fees versus what you get from anywhere else. Uh, you know, that's, that's half of cash apps fees as well. Now, just to be clear, and and I don't know, I haven't actually, I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head. Is that percentage from the fiat side of things or is that percentage on the Bitcoin side of things? Everything's denominated in fiat. Okay. So this is, you know, basically uh, you, you set the fiat amount that you're going to buy. Cool. Because you have to pass that instruction for how much you're going to deduct each week or each month from your bank account. So that that number can't change with the Bitcoin price. Right. Right. I just want I, I meant more like when you're talking about the, the, the fees, I didn't know if, um, if that was also in fiat or if the, the fee percentage was like coming out of the amount that you're buying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's on, it's on top. Um, so that is, that's a product decision that we made, which is, uh, different than cash app. So cash app, you know, if they have a, you know, if they have a 3% fee on something, they're going to take that 3% out of the total. Uh, we just think it's like, if you wanted a hundred dollars of Bitcoin, we think you should get a hundred dollars of Bitcoin and be charged your fees on top of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. It's just a, uh, it's in a, our thinking it's, it's, I mean, this is pennies. It doesn't really matter right. that much, but it's just, it's just more transparent because, you know, 3% out of a hundred is actually more than 3% because it's three divided by 97 versus 3% on top of a hundred actually is 3%. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. That makes sense. All right. Um, so what's, what's kind of next on you guys, um, roadmap? Like what, what are you working towards next? 
So a few things. So we actually just hired uh, Andrew Edstrom, um, the author of Why Buy Bitcoin and a partner at Westcap Financial, which is a firm that his dad started. Um, it's a big financial advisory firm for high net worth, et cetera. So he's now head of institutional for us. Um, so we are basically going out into the uh, financial advisor and um, RIA, Registered Investment Advisors channel, and figuring out how to uh, let them get their Bit, you know, get their customers, their clients into Bitcoin and, and let them advise them on Bitcoin purchases through Swan. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we also are doing uh, channel sales. So we basically are doing like powered by Swan and letting uh, wallet companies and other services uh, work with us to enable uh, Bitcoin purchases for all of their users, and all of their clients. So we'll have a pretty big announcement with one of the well-loved names in the space here in the next few weeks about the rollout of uh, the first one of those. So that's really exciting. So that would be purchasing directly um, from within the wallet? So crawl, walk, run. Basically, it'll just be like a flow that uh, is kind of co-branded on our side of things as we're still building out the product and tweaking things. Like you just absolutely want to have full control over everything. Down the road, we'll expose the the hooks via API and actually let things happen in somebody else's app over time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So those things, and then we're also um, working on a Swan IRA, which uh, you know will undercut Bitcoin IRA prices by eighty to ninety percent. And then that would allow people to make those purchases pre-tax. Exactly. That would be nice. Yeah. Yep. And then you know down the road, hopefully later this year, we'll uh, get around to the uh, Bit license and add the uh, the fiftieth state. We're in. 49 states plus DC and Puerto Rico right now, but uh, be nice to add the Empire State as well. Just take some lawyers and some time and some money. Yeah, yeah. I do you think that so? So, how many companies actually have the bit license at this point? It, it's not that many, is it? Um, I think you know, Coinbase and Gemini. I, can't, I don't know if Kraken does, I know Bittrex does not. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's probably like maybe 10. Some of the old, older ones that have been around a while probably have it, like maybe Bit or Uphold or something like that. I'm not sure. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's such a frustrating thing to watch, you know, and um, I I think it holds it holds some things back that could have been that could have been good for New York. But good for New York and good for Bitcoin and good for the country. I mean, and good for freedom. If you put that all together, I mean, it's uh it's really, it's an awful mistake on, uh, on their part to listen to Lasky on yeah. that thing. It was a really bad move. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me personally too, because my, you know, my formative professional networking, social networking years were in New York, the six years from like, you know, 21 to 27 or whatever. And, you know, still got the 917 number and absolutely want to be out there with my friends using it and promoting it. And I can't. Yeah. Yeah. As a, uh, as someone who grew up not in a metropolitan area, I went, I went to New York a couple of times and it just kind of wasn't my thing for a while. And, and honestly it was, uh, so some of it was just growing up, but some of it too was like knowing Bitcoiners, made New York a place I wanted to not, not be all the time, but you know, made it a lot more enjoyable to visit. So yeah, it kind of makes me sad for them, but anyway. All right. Well, we're kind of coming up on our, on our time. Um, so how can, how can people keep up with you, what you guys are doing and, um, and, and stay abreast of the changes as you guys roll them out? Yeah, honestly, probably Twitter is the best. So Swan Bitcoin on Twitter. Um, definitely, if you're in the U.S., check us out, swanbitcoin.com. Um, you know, we're, Jan Brady and I are in the DMs and manning the handle and now Brecky as well. Uh, you know, we've got the chat on the site as well. So <laughs> that goes to our phones for better or worse, 24-7. So usually somebody will pick up there or we'll, you know, create a ticket and get back to you pretty quickly. But, you know, we're very responsive. You know, we've... Uh, Things are going well, but we're still small and we still are, are, you know, very much interested in gathering feedback and understanding what people like and don't like, uh, you know, in every aspect of the product. So um, so that's pretty 
Good. Um, you know, another thing I'd just love to tease real quick is um, we just rolled out uh, to our first uh, cohort of uh, global ambassadors. So this is actually pretty cool. We we can pay out in sats for people that are like affiliates or uh, making referrals to Swan Bitcoin um, from around the world. So our first, you know, 35 or 40 people are, are kind of trained up and they have their vanity URLs. So like, you know, Phil Gibson is, uh, you know, swanbitcoin.com slash Phil and guys slash guy. And there's one guy that aggressively tweets this all the time. He got a, a nice one, got Cam and it's a bunch of people with like DCA Bitcoin and stuff like that. They can just go out and kind of, you know, spread the word and, and, and stack sats, you know, so we're making all our payouts in sats. Um, and I think that's going to be a really, uh, interesting growth factor for us. I actually expect that to be, you know, probably the 50% or more of our, our new users over time, just through referrals. Cool. So you said global. So the, your main program is USA only right now, but but well, you can only be a customer from the U.S., but you can make referrals from anywhere. That's cool. So, you know, somebody in Indonesia can, you know, get all over Facebook and pump Swan Bitcoin. And, <laughs> you know, making, making a lot of money there is, is pretty interesting. You know, we we just uh, we had one of those, you know, giveaway, you know, follow us and tweet at some friends. And, uh, you know, it was pretty awesome to see, uh, you know, someone from Pakistan uh, actually won it. And then, you know, so this guy got $100 worth of sats. And I just looked up, you know, per capita GDP, and that was like uh, almost a month's worth of uh, average income. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so it's pretty meaningful, yeah. you know. Like, so if we can if we can get people making, you know, you know, fifty bucks worth of sats a month, and in, in a lot of countries around the world, just by you know writing content or creating little sites and kind of like targeting Americans and trying to get them to use Swan, which is good for people anyway, unlike Binance. Um, you know, I think that is something that Bitcoiners will jump all over. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. So, um, well, do you do you make use of? Well, you guys are 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 not doing that part. I was I was thinking, do you ha- do you roll out? Because um, because you mentioned Sats, it was, it was the only reason I was going to ask about um, if you make use of Lightning Network in any way. So I think we're yeah. I mean, we're going to push the envelope on that. That's where we can be you know, as Bitcoin as possible, right? So we're going to be using, you know, XPUB, BEC32. Um, definitely we'll look at paying out in Lightning. Um, just kind of had that conversation earlier this week. Um, so yeah, for our referrals program, uh, we'll push the envelope there and, and, you know, get as nerdy as possible. Cool, cool. Well, Corey, I appreciate your time and um, good luck to you guys and um, in, in your future as you continue to expand this stuff so hopefully we can um make it simple and not complicated for bitcoiners that's the goal man yeah set it and forget it uh stack and chill swan and chill that's that's the whole point (laughs) all right man well you take care all right thanks josh Okay, and gang, that's our interview for today. I think Swan Bitcoin has some good ideas around automating the buying process, and really that's just the technical side of um, the dollar cost average mindset of, you know, the the I'm hodling kind of thing, the um, not exposing yourself to the anxiety and the FOMO of trying to catch the knife down and sell off at the top and and all of these things of just regardless of the price, putting in a little bit every week or every month or, or whatever's appropriate for your situation. Um, so, so really it's just the technical side of coupling that automated buying to that, um, to that mindset and simplifying that process, I guess, um, from a technical perspective. Now, um, I will say that I personally have moved away from KYC-based exchanges um, because I think it leaves you vulnerable um, in, in the sense that you don't know what the future holds, what regulations will be in the future, what, how much that's enforced, etc. You know, I like to be optimistic. I like to be hopeful that they won't come kick down Bitcoiners' doors, and um, and so hopefully that won't ever happen. But you don't know and. Um, I want to believe that 
Prime Trust isn't using any kind of chain analysis and and hopefully they're not. Um, but but the thing is, because I don't see their code, I don't know. And that's the only thing I'm, I'm really saying. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying that unless you've read the code, you don't know for sure. So um, I think that um, using something that is not KYC minimizes your risk to things like that. Um, but I think that you know, Swan Bitcoin is building a great team of Bitcoiners, um, Guy Swan and um, Brady from Citizen Bitcoin and Brecky von Bitcoin and Jan Pritzker and all those guys. They're 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 solid Bitcoiners, and so um, I think they are doing you know what they can. And and Corey, obviously, and like we're so. Anyways, I don't I don't want you to take away from this that I'm putting them down or anything like that. I'm just saying that I'm personally not using them, um, just for full transparency here. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think this kind of goes to the idea that we have to recognize that not everyone's going to use Bitcoin in the same way. And that's not a bad thing. I think everyone should run their own node, but the reality is that not everyone runs their own node. And I think as long as everyone is, aware of the risks that and the, and the trade-offs that go along with the way that they acquire and use bitcoin then you know they have to be free to do it that way um so if nothing else go look at the educational side of what swan is doing i think they are like i said putting together a good team and they are doing their best to educate people about Bitcoin and all the trade-offs in the various ways that you use it and ways to secure it and things like that. And so, um, you know, check out what they're doing. Go pop into their Telegram channel if you have more questions or comments on the way that they're doing things or you have suggestions for them to do in the future. As always, show the show out to all your friends and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. See, there's that automation thing again. Um, Follow me on Twitter at BottomShelfBTC. And until next time, for Bottom Shelf Bitcoin, I'm Josh Humphrey. Thanks for listening.